2020. What's the year again? 2022 now? Already, that's the third, that's the third time. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's definitely <laughs> been a year. Chardonnay once. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like Chardonnay, Chardonnay, Chardonnay. Welcome to the Wine Tech Insiders holiday Christmas Hanukkah edition. Um, it's uh, the insider's prediction for 2022. As always, we have our insiders with us. Jonathan from Bottle Books. Hello. <laughs> Nick from Wine Owners. Hello. Lori from Outshinery. Hi, everyone. And of course, Seb from Trolley. Good morning, boys and girls. What do you mean, of course? <laughs> <laughs> always, of course. Always, of course. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to hit some key uh, topics, topics that we've been talking about all in 2021 um, that have been recurring and topics um, that will likely be hot, uh, really interesting, be big topics again that we'll talk about in 2022. And we'll get our quick insiders predictions about these topics. First topic, events. Uh, Pro Wine, Vinexpo, London Wine Fair, events around the world have been on hold, have been canceled, have been sort of happening. What is your prediction for 2022? Jonathan? Um, I think the best money is on events that have a hybrid or digital strategy as a key part of, of of what they're doing. Um, events that have a pure physical strategy are super high risk because as we saw with Omicron, you can have all your plans just completely evaporate um, literally overnight. Um, so I think the digital and the hybrid events, they're gonna hold their dates and they're gonna deliver. Um, uh, you can count on those to happen. The rest, we can cross our fingers. Nick. Yes. Uh, and I think they will happen in some form, but I think they will be a hybrid between um, the experiential elements uh, in situ, albeit perhaps more restricted, and the conference programs and other elements that lend themselves to virtual very well running alongside. So basically omni-channel. Lori. And for me, what's really interesting is now we are entering into year two of this hybrid event. And, you know, 2021 was a little bit, was it year two or year three? I'm like, I'm totally confused. How many, how many years have we been with the pandemic here? But, you know, as it, literally, like I'm drawing a blank. Um, but just like wondering, like the more these hybrid events will happen, like the more they will become the norm, right? Like a one flash in the pan, like, oh, it's just one year, like it's, it's a fix for like a situation. Like the more these kind of like, repeat and become uh, the norm so even looking at 2023 now even like will this be still around and not the pandemic part but the the hybrid is just like the default approach that's when it comes to event i'm super curious about that so yeah i agree hybrid all the way especially considering business travel is probably not gonna it's gonna take a bit longer to come back uh, a lot of businesses have realized how much savings they can have in not traveling all that much so business travel, definitely hybrid. And I think from a producer, direct-to-consumer kind of a standpoint, uh, we're looking now at a new tool. We're looking at a channel by which we can reach people uh, who otherwise cannot come and visit. 
Um, so absolutely, absolutely, absolutely hybrid models is there to stay. Yeah. Okay, uh, supply chain. Um, the supply chain troubles um, heightened uh, near the end of this year. Um, still, people are wondering if they can have their uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc for Christmas or whether their presents will arrive or whether their renovations are going to cost more. Um, Jonathan, uh, what's the outlook for supply chain in 2022? I think it's, I think it's mixed, but there and also is the opportunity um, a slight tangent from supply chain, uh, supply chain is the digitalization of the supply chain. Um, and I think that that disruption that we're experiencing in the supply chain actually is going to create opportunities for digitalization to happen. Um, that's been something that's been very slow to materialize um, in comparison to other industries. Um, and I think the disruption might give some opportunities that under other circumstances might, might be more difficult to create for for um for businesses nick yeah i mean talking to large wholesalers importers in the uk it's very challenging at the moment um uh, the demand is huge um it's 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 um you know there's a there's a there's massive demand for stock following um um uh the, the opening up earlier on this year and the challenge is fulfilling that so i think that the opportunity exists for people who are stockholders increasingly. And I think that we will see in a continuum that has seen, if you like, the marketing and sales channels working on um, uh, very low stock positions and, uh, and on lower um, working capital intensity models will reverse. And I think that the, that the power will shift back to increasingly the, um, the stockholders who, um, who, who can fulfill um, uh, uh, pretty much any orders they like out of, um, out of the wines that they have control over. Have, have you seen, Nick, have you seen any, any pressures uh, upward on pricing? Uh, yeah, very substantial pricing increases. So talking to um, bulk wine, brokers in Bordeaux, um, uh, cost of bulk wine has increased quite a bit. The cost of um, white bulk wine, so Sauvignon Blanc and that sort of stuff has actually gone through the roof. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the fine wine end of the market, um, prices have, have, have firmed substantially this year and, and I don't see that abating at this point. Very interesting, yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Laurie, what do you think about um, the supply, supply chain prediction? So for us at our channery, like we hear more from like the wineries having trouble, you know, getting the supplies they need to bottle their wine and um, more than like the, the issue of like getting it in the stores. And we're noticing a lot of compromises, just like compromises on glass, glass bottle. We used to have this more expensive glass bottle. We can't get it. We're going to put it in that one and keep going. Or we're going to compromise and make bottle part of that wine in, a, in that bottle shape and part of that wine in another, which, you know, not drastically like different to say of the consumer, there may be two burgundy shapes, but, you know, like just a kind of compromise just to make to make do that we would have not seen before supply chain wars. Um, and also like starting, I think it's still early because there's a lot of, um, 
you know, other um, supply chain issues to making it happen, but a, uh, alternative packaging beyond glass. So I know we've talked about that, about that before, but like bag in a box solution and cans. I think what the wineries have going for them is the world is aware of supply chain issues. You know, like that's right now, like the culprit for pretty much anything. So if the wine industry comes up with new solution and don't hide behind the fact that, hey, that's the new reality. I think the consumers are that much more ready. You know, we want wine to drink. It's like, okay, maybe in the can, so be it. Like, you know, like rather than no, no product at all. So really curious about the opportunity that it can actually unearth. But I feel for the wineries, like it's a lot of extra work and trouble with no clear uh, end in sight. Like, um, yeah. It's like, I think, I think it's clear that uh, supply chain woes are going to keep going well into 2022. Uh, yeah. It's not just wine specific, but wine is definitely being affected. Uh, and I think it's probably going to have, as Nick was mentioning, the pricing is starting to be affected a little bit. I have no doubt about that. Uh, and it might also start pushing a bit more towards uh, more of the locally produced kind of a wines, right? Um, so ultimately, this is not this is nothing to do with COVID. I mean, COVID is not helping. Uh, but overall, we've known for years that the supply chain was not quite well adapted for the majority of producers in wine. And now we're just seeing that kind of a blowing open. Um, so look, I would say 2022, let's not count on the fact that the supply chain is getting back to anything remotely normal and pricing, I think, gonna keep, are going to keep going up, especially imported wines, which is most wines. And, and what about related to that, the regulatory environment, um, the tariffs, Brexit, the three-tier system in the U.S., e-labels. Jonathan, where's that going to be in 2022? Um, I, th I think that's what's going to be quite inter is in interesting about the end of this year and going into 2022 is the amount of change um, in relation to to governments and to, and to regulations. Um, it's, it's not something that's always moving um, or always changing, but there seems to be a lot of change in various markets. Um, E-labels is something that is, um, is just in the process of being finalized by the EU. Um, and this um, has the potential, if things go through as it seems it will, this has the potential to raise the visibility and the utility of QR codes across the industry. That when you mandate using QR codes for e-labeling in one of the largest markets in the world, um, that floats, that lifts everybody's boat. Um, and um, that I think, you know, we're still just focused on whether the EU will pass that, but I think, you know, the sky is the limit of what the potential is once more people get used to it. Um, and then also on, on tariffs and Brexit, um, I think this ties back into my comment on the supply chain. Um, the focus on trusted uh, trusted systems. There's a company called that, that we know called Chainvine, for example, who is pushing into that space to have to, to digitalize and streamline how um, how duties and, and customs are uh, uh, processes around wines when they're when they're moving into the UK or moving into uh, into Scandinavia. Um, and so there's there's a lot of a lot of regulation changing and then there's also at the same time 
tech is coming along and um, interacting with those regulations on very short order. Nick? Yeah, and I, 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 the, the, that second that second comment, Jonathan, um, resonates a lot with me. You know, I think you know whether or not there are tariffs, what those tariffs look like, uh, whether you know what the changes that are brought upon by uh, events such as Brexit, I think is far less significant than the ability of um, uh, of suppliers to, to ensure that the correct documentation is done and that there are no holdups as a result of um, uh, forms being incorrectly filled in, which is what we're hearing is happening an awful lot right now. So the sooner that space gets digitized, I think, um, uh, UK customers is upgrading its systems next year as well. Then you know the better, frankly. Uh, it's 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 all about it's all about ensuring that everyone's really clear about what needs to be submitted, what forms need to be filled in, and making sure that that is done in a predictable way. Uh, and and no one's really getting it right on a consistent basis. I have nothing to add to this. This is totally out of my wheelhouse. I'm just glad I don't have to deal with it personally. No tariff here. <laughs> what about uh, e labels? Have you, have you seen more about that? Uh, <laughs> have you seen those rise QR codes on, on labels or anything uh, like that, Laurie? Uh, QR code, slowly but surely. I think uh, we make most of our customers here at our channel are in North America. And I would say maybe we're a little bit behind on that like it's not not that common uh and it often when there is like it's a bit more um i don't want to say um you know gadgety or something but a bit more like you know like augmented reality approach like it, it's got more like a fun like a fun play more than like pure like information traceability and um transparency uh i do think there is something that the the general consumer, like there's a bit of a <clears throat> like transparency. And I know we'll talk about later, like, you know, like values and social and environmental concern. Like that's overall something that uh, especially younger uh, consumers want to know more about and not at the very least not to be hidden uh, behind a curfew. So that's where I see it going more, um, speaking from where I stand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder, like, I wonder how far how far uh, the e-label can be pushed. Uh, yeah. I agree with Laurie. The, the North American market is its own different thing. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, they're still using their own their own barcodes, right? As far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, but this this being said, I think uh, on the um, uh, overall on the uh, the e-commerce front and the actual um, moving of the um, the wines into the US or, or across the US, the whole uh, regulate regulatory um, uh, outlook hasn't really changed much in the US. There's a really strong hold from uh, the large producers and lobbyism. Uh, but this being said, technology is also making it increasingly easier uh, for smaller wineries to be able to ship. Uh, and even though there are regulations, technology makes it easier uh, for them to move their wine so in the us i don't know that there's much of a challenge uh, across between the states uh, and the uk and brexit is a very specific thing it's a very it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because i do agree with nick uh, there is definitely a number of uncertainties as to 
which paperwork, how do I do it? It's changed, it's changed again, we don't really know. Uh, and that unfortunately is having an impact uh, on, the, on the UK uh, and on everyone, all, all of the large producers trying to import in the UK, which is not, I mean, there's a lot of them, but not that many, right? In the scheme of things. Yeah. Well, um, climate was a concern in 2021. Again, fires in California, Napa, um, France, Champagne, frost, disasters kind of everywhere, seemingly um, uh, every few months. Um, what about climate change in 2022? I know we can't predict that, but um, <laughs> associated with that is, is the concern of consumers around uh, sustainable products, products that um, uh, are, are, you know, how wine is grown, um, whether it's low intervention or fair trade or, or, or any of those topics. Um, that, was, that was on the increase in 2021. Um, Jonathan, back to you. Um, uh, what, what do you see happening in 2022? Oh. Um, <laughs> two and two. <laughs> two and two, yeah. <laughs> well, I think if um, if some of the early indications are anything to go by, I think uh, sustainability will have an increased focus um, next year. I mean, is if you've been monitoring associations over the last few years, um, you'll have noticed that many of them have sustainability as one of the pillars of their outreach. Um, they each have, uh, many of them have their own certification program or multiple certification programs for their wineries to communicate or to certify and then communicate about the practices they're doing. Um, uh, and looking, looking ahead, um, you know, I think maybe next year is where that starts to take the spotlight. South Africa definitely is putting this in the foreground with their Cape Wine um, in, in September with the headline Sustainability 360. Um, so whereas the programs might've always been there in the past, um, you know, at least there's some early indication that maybe they're getting pushed more to the foreground than they have, have been. Nick? Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I would like to think that 2022 is going to be the year where we see, um, shifts in viticultural practice of a practical nature that address climate change and the effects of climate change. So particularly thinking about France and late frosts, you know, um, there's much talked about high-ish high tech solutions beyond the unecological alternative of burning candles uh, uh, in, in the vineyards in order to try and keep the temperature above minus two or minus one. But um, what we're also starting to see is more forward-looking uh, vigneron are starting to change their practices quite fundamentally. So for example, um, undertaking a third late prune as late as April, um, uh, which I guess has the benefit of a later bud burst so that the buds aren't damaged by the frosts and also uh, provides a slightly um, a later ripening cycle for um, the grapes, which uh, certainly is a benefit in in um, in a global globally warmed environment, um, uh, as as later ripening grapes like Nebbiolo um, uh, tell us. So I think I think I would like to hope that that viticultural practices will be adapted rather than the more 
dramatic changes and replantings of different varieties, which I think would be a pity and I think would would um, significantly shift the characteristics of certain wines. Um, I think the other thing that we're seeing is that um, um, the, the, the packaging options that are available to retailers has really quite, has really developed quite, quite, um, quite expansively over the last um, couple of years. And I think that there's a much, much bigger focus on ecological packaging and ecological packaging that is drop proof and which can comfortably be transported by the mainstream carriers. So I think we're going to see a hell of a lot more creativity around recycled uh, packaging and packaging that can be easily recycled. Yeah, like we see, like you know, like on the on the topic of like packaging and labeling, like being more and more forward, not you know, not hiding the sustainability. Like I don't want to say like just as a marketing or sales ploy, but that's really going. Um, more to the forefront and you know like to me just if i want to go to the liquor store like you see more and more like organic wine which you know kind of gives that value of like sustainability you know there's more like natural wine my prediction would be like i can see coming up you know maybe 2022 or 2023 where we almost have like the sustainability practice or labeling or certification becoming almost its own like shelf or category in the store like right now in north america everything is determined by country of origin you enter a store like okay do i want south africa and you go south african i do i want to go to spain you go there um but that's very old-fashioned very arbitrary like i can really almost see like a shift like i don't necessarily care exactly how far my wine is coming from, either I buy local or I go, you know, foreign. And if it's, you know, but I want to buy by, I want a vineyard, no matter where they are, that are doing something sensitive, sustainable, maybe in the packaging, winemaking practice. And obviously there needs to be, um, you know, like settings and certification, but I can really see that in the consumer, be like, this is how I want to be shopping. And we see that now a little bit with on some online stores, that's how they specialize. Like it's just like we source wine that tastes good and belong to those values. They're still very niche, but I can see that becoming more, you know, mainstream and as a way to just, you know, yeah. A bit like when you go to Whole Food, you you know, love it or hate it, but you know that supposedly they've done their research and it's only coming to that store because it meets certain criteria. Uh -huh. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those criteria become more mainstream and looked for yeah. and look i think i think the key takeaway uh, we've seen with cop 26 how most governments uh, are essentially trying to do as much as they can but really it's a bare minimum uh, so climate will continue on changing i do think it creates a number of opportunities on the wine growing regions. I'm curious to see how temperature differences is gonna start opening up new, like the UK making more wine, uh, especially if it's hard to import wine in, right? Uh, and if you're a producer and you have not recognized that consumer demand towards sustainable, towards organic, towards um, uh, less uh, heavily packaged kind of a products. If you're a producer and you haven't recognized this as a thing, it's probably about time that uh, you get on the bandwagon because consumers uh, are increasingly aware, are increasingly feel like they're powerless uh, and their buying power is being directed 
towards these kind of products. So it's also an opportunity uh, given, as Laurie was saying, you walk into most bottle shops and you're looking for an organic wine. If you find two or three in different places on the shelves, well, good luck, right? <laughs> um, so it's a real challenge as a consumer who really wants to, uh, to be conscious of climate change issues uh, to actually find what they're after. So there's definitely an opportunity for small producers. Well, all producers really. Well, the last few years, we bought our Christmas socks, we got groceries, and we bought wine online. And this didn't happen as much before e-commerce and wine had a bit of a boom, like all of e-commerce. Um, is this just a mirage? Will it just come down? Or is this really a launching point um, that there's no return from uh, where in, you know uh, e-commerce, buying wine online, um, will just increase, 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 and become a much major, much, much more important part of uh, um, uh, uh, all commerce and all wine sales. Jonathan, um, I think that the you know just the restrictions that everybody has due to to COVID, um, and how easy it is to go out, or how how much more difficult it is to get out and go to wine events and, you know, buy wines in the ways that we used to, um, that has now sustained for such a long time that I think these, these um, trends or, you know, blips have now started to develop into habits. And I think the, that will make it a lot more sticky and to make the momentum, you know, perhaps there'll be, you know, at a certain point it'll peak. And then, you know, as, as, you know, we, we get over whenever that last final hump is of, of the pandemic and things really can start to go back to the way they were before, um, you know, maybe things will peak and it'll come back. But I think the, the level, the minimum level now has been raised uh, so, so much higher. And that's, that's, that's the direction of the future. So I think, um, I, I think there's no reason to expect that it's not going to continue. Um, to grow and, and be sustainable as well. Yeah, I think the um, the kind of competitive uh, environment uh, has changed uh, significantly over the last um, year or so. Uh, thinking about the fine wine market in particular, um, we you know, just thinking about what we what we do as a business, uh, and I guess having deployed about thirty business operating systems for retailers, of which potentially up to about half have also gone with an integrated e-commerce platform. What's, what's really interesting is that e-commerce platform is really driving their growth in those instances where they're adopting it. It's also driving margin. Uh, and we know that margin you know, is the number one issue in, in the wine market and the fine wine market. Um, and being able to realize better gross profits, better net margin, uh, better uh, net profit before tax as a result of um, reaching broader and different markets is a huge bonus. So, so you've suddenly got a, a significant cohort of business, traditional businesses moving online and seeing significant uplift in their business as a result of it. Uh, and it is going to inevitably put 
continues upward pressure on the rest of the market who hasn't made that shift and who aren't seeing their business grow as much and who are seeing traditional um, customers insufficient being, being insufficient for their for, for, for their growth and not attracting um, the market that they need to attract not attracting the next the next generation of wine buyers in those though that generation is engaging with e-commerce sites it's, they're engaging with apps um, uh, and convenience is more important than price in many instances. Yeah, and I think the the wine industry is a bit guilty of living in its own bubble. Like the reality is now you are getting everything online. And to the average consumer, they don't know slash don't care that wine is its own particularity, right? It's just like I get my food delivered, I get my cat leader, I get my coffee subscription. Why shouldn't I get my wine? Like, like, like you know, like it's just like we know that of course we're just talking about tariff and like there's a lot of challenges, but the overall purchasing behavior um, online is there, not not going down, and it's all about like making it seamless, you know, on the and making it all work behind the scene. Like I think that's that's not changing and that's growing. Uh, for speaking about myself, like I've never bought that much uh, online, uh, but that what we do is we just kind of combine uh, with my girlfriends. Like one of us would buy like a case of wine, like. I live in Vancouver in an apartment, like storage is a bit of an issue, <laughs> you know? So like, you can't just like, like, you know, 12 bottles of wine at a time, like there's only that much I can fit, uh, but just like, hey, let's just like pitch in, like, let's get this cider from Ontario. Let's get it shipped. Okay, everybody gets that many. And then we just, you know, Venmo like the, the price to each other. And I like, guess just like, there are also like all these untapped opportunities that wineries could also maybe make it, um, you know, easier for people like, hey, you can buy online, you don't pay shipping. We all know it's included in the price. And just we're making it very easy to enjoy at home our product. Like I think there's a lot of marketing opportunities with greater margins. So yeah, no, it's not going anywhere. Consumers is there. I was reading that uh, in the US, they're estimating that 90% of consumers will buy a Christmas gift online this season, right? Yeah, uh, so, already done that. And, and, <laughs> And this is not, this is not, I don't think it's a COVID thing, right? I, I absolutely agree with Laurie. The industry is a little bit of a, in its own bubble. Um, so ultimately e-commerce is definitely there to stay. It's been, it's been discussed for a number of years now. I think the one greatest challenge now that everyone is recognizing, yeah, okay, I kind of do need a website. Uh, and ultimately, the greatest challenge is really that we, as part of the industry, uh, the product is uh, highly subjective. Uh, and so how do we how do we ship? How do we actually put our wines online? And that's sorted. How do we find new customers for a product that's available in, in so many different forms and from so many different provenance, right? Uh, and that's where, like, you're looking at, you know, how is a California winery going to discover me as a consumer? So that, I think, is where technology is going to increasingly start evolving towards. Uh, simply because, as I was saying, the product is just too subjective. There's too much, there's an oversupply in the market. Uh, and buying online, normally you're buying something that you're aware of. You're buying a pair of jeans of the brand and the size that you've worn before. You're buying a product that you 
you've tasted before. You're buying something that you're comfortable with as a consumer. So I think we're now really going to start tackling the raw challenge of product discovery. Um, that'll be interesting to see what comes out of it uh, from different startups in the new year. Yeah. I find it exciting. Like this is like, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it's it's in in to put it in my own words, uh, it's about time, right? <laughs> Um, well, you're going to uh, startups. I mean, I think, oh, Nick, you had something to... It's the second uh, time you used that word. <laughs> we, need, we, need, we need a swear jar. You do. You need a jar. We need a jar. I think I should, I'll just record you saying Chardonnay and I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. Um, okay. So um, uh, last topic, uh, wine tech. We're the wine and tech insiders here. Um, we have the behemoth in the room, Vivino, as always. Drizzly sold to um, Uber, Uber this year. Um, we've talked about uh, various other uh, great startups, wine startups on this podcast. Um, VC funding for alcohol uh, was at a record at uh, $1.25 billion in 2021. Um, give us one prediction. Um, for for the the wine tech world uh something you think might happen something to keep an eye on something that's interesting jonathan well i think they're you know the, the it's hard to interpret all of the investment decisions or, or things that happened in the last year um precisely because of 2020 so we know that in 2020 a lot of vcs um, and family offices um sat on their money um, and uh, played the wait and see game to see which which direction things were going to go, and then when thing when the vaccines came out and and things started to reopen in 2021, um, they had to make up for lost time, um, and so things have been extremely frothy this year, um, and um, and it's you know a good amount of capital has come to the wine industry for sure. Um, could there be more? Absolutely. Um, but I think um, even if you could say that over the last two years averaged out, it's it's still not amazing in the wine tech industry. Um, the fact that it did happen this year means that there is extra visibility on wine tech, on the wine industry that simply wasn't there two years ago. Um, and um, that means that a lot more ideas um, are going to be able to be funded um, and, and made big because I think everybody knows, especially when you like, doing tech startups, they do take a decent amount of investment. Um, in the wine industry, I think um, it's safe to say that a wine wine tech in the wine industry takes even more capital than perhaps outside the wine industry, um, just due to the, the general complexity of the product. Um, um, and, and so I think it's it's great that there's so much visibility in the, um, in the wine tech um, space at the moment. Yeah, so I'm going to predict that 2022 sees a trickle down from these big ticket deals and that mm -hmm. we see an awful lot more smaller um, uh, solutions uh, based around apps, based around um, wine club models um, that are engaging, that solve the problem of um, uh, efficient uh, or just-in-time shipping. Um, and... Uh, and I think 2022 will start to 
place a bit more pressure, or we'll see a bit more pressure placed rather on some of the more traditional uh, warehousing environments who simply aren't with the game yet. And as a result of which, people are moving their storage out of those more traditional environments so that they can be more agile. Uh, and those businesses are going to have to respond or they're going to get left behind. Yeah, um, and for me, yeah, so I really um, would agree with Nick here, like the trickle down effects, like, you know, Uber Bright Drizzly for $1.1 billion, like there's not, you know, when that kind of deal is there, like it's not that many more deals that can just like reach that, that level. Or we have, you know, Vivino that raised in February $155 million. So just really like, you know, like the stock player, like really like behemoths are, you know, making the news, getting money from investors, like getting, you know, like the buzz and like the articles. And hopefully like that trickle down effect is just um, will be happening. And because there's still a lot of problems to be solving in that industry. Um, so that's how I see it. Um, finger crossed. And look, I don't know, I don't know um, where exactly or how these numbers have been put together. Um, we're saying 1.25 billion invested in alcohol overall. Uh, look, let's keep in mind that Vivino did raise 150 million. Yeah. Uh, is that is that about 10, 15 percent of that? Yeah. Uh, so if you if you remove that one deal, then it means alcohol, generally speaking, is severely underfunded. Uh, when you're looking in the global VC world as being in the 400 plus billions, right, mm -hmm. um, in, in the last year. So ultimately, look, there could be more investment, I think, in alcohol. When you broaden your, your scope, I think, uh, or your reach in terms of numbers, looking at supply chain, uh, I think warehousing, as Nick was saying, is definitely going to see a, a significant number of, of investment. Uh, so that's going to grow. Look, with wine specifically, I'm, I think we've seen it over and over again that the scalability of wine is a real challenge. Uh, and you're looking uh, at the Winks, you're looking at the Naked Wine, you're looking at a number of different wine startups which you know, had, had the future you know, to them and somehow it still didn't quite work. The scalability is a problem. The subjectivity of the product is a problem. Uh, so I don't know that we're going to see an increase in investment or, or even look, especially if you take Vivineo out. Mm -hmm. um, I think if we reach another billion, billion and a half in alcohol, beer, wine and spirits next year, fair enough. I don't think we're going to see a growth on, on the, the actual alcohol specific startups, uh, but supply chain, warehousing, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, Wine Tech Insiders. That was our predictions for 2022. Um, thank you again, Jonathan, Nick, Lori, and Seb. Um, we will see you all in the new year after um, nice. uh, after the holidays. Have we have oh, we successfully done one episode pretty religiously every two weeks to see? <laughs> uh, we've skipped a few, but we, it's pretty close. Nice. Well done, boys and girls. Well done. Nice one. Happy Perfect. holidays, guys. Cheers all. Happy holidays, everyone. everyone. Happy holidays. Holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> Ciao. Bye-bye. Everyone's just disconnecting. <laughs>